0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
1: Takes a shot, runs into the box, shot, go! It's time for Atlanta Soccer Tonight.
0: Tune in as Jason Longshore gives you insight and analysis on the beautiful game, including headlines from around the world of soccer.
1: balls go. This is Atlanta Soccer Tonight, brought to you by Moe's Southwest Grill. Welcome to Moe's.
0: Atlanta Soccer Tonight is on Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. Here's Jason Longshore.
2: Let's kick it. Atlanta Soccer Tonight, live from Los Angeles on 92.9, The Game, and the Odyssey app. I'm Jason Longshore taking you through this weekly show on soccer in Atlanta, in Georgia, in the Southeast, in the United States, in this hemisphere, on the planet, anywhere the game is being played. It might show up here on A.S.T., you're also going to hear from Mike Conti in the second segment, making his AST debut as we talk a little bit more about LAFC and Atlanta United. Wednesday night, you can listen on 929 the Game and the Odyssey app. Five Stripes countdown will start at 10 p.m. It will be Five Stripes after dark officially. Kickoff will be at 10.39 from BMO Stadium, and we'll have the full-time report following the final. Whistle And then it's a quick turn, because Saturday, Atlanta United is back at Mercedes-Benz Stadium, hosting DC United. 7 o'clock for the Five Stripes Countdown, 7.39 for the kickoff. You can also listen to that game via the Apple TV MLS Season Pass. Home games, you can do that. You choose the home team radio option. Road games, you'd have to sync it up the old way, and I know so many of you out there do, and it is much much appreciated. Thank you so much for the support and listening to Mike and I. When we're calling these games wherever we are, we know there's going to be some 17s either literally with us, and I'm very curious to see how many 17s make the trip for a rescheduled game in L.A. I'm sure there's some 17s who live in L.A. If if there are, please let us know. Tweet at us at MikeConti929 at Longshoe. But I know you're going to have more 17s with us virtually. The power of radio is a very significant thing, and it is very much felt by us when we call these games. It's also very much felt that frustration from Wednesday night against the New England Revolution, a 3-3 draw. I, I feel like we have talked about this game so much since Wednesday night. I know we haven't had an Atlanta soccer tonight since then, I don't know what else there is to say about a game where you give up a goal a few seconds in on a mistake, on a giveaway. You fight forward. You get hit on the break the other way. It's 2-0. Then you come back with a great second half and go all the way from 2-0 down to 3-2 up and then concede again in stoppage time for it to finish as a 3-3 final. Two 3-3 finals in the last three matches which is bonkers. Uh, three draws in the last three. Four games unbeaten, but one win in those four. You can spend things however you want to spend things. That's just how this game will go. It feels so close for Atlanta United, who is the best attacking team in the league, but they're giving up too many goals. They are in just purely giving up goals, the worst defensive team in the league. It's such a weird Element and it's hard to quantify. And I feel like we have tried so many different ways, whether it's in broadcasts, whether it's here on AST, in other conversations to explain what's going on defensively. It's not simple in my mind, it's not an easy explanation in my mind. Because when you look at the overall numbers, you look at the amount of match control Atlanta United has, they don't give up a lot of shots. They don't give up a lot of opportunities for teams to get into the attacking third. They don't give up a lot of possession. They win a lot of duels. There's so many different things that point to not giving up as many goals. It feels like you're giving up goals because of individual mistakes or moments of a lack of concentration or a lack of focus. That's something that has to get corrected for this team to average two goals per game and not have as many wins as they should, it's because of those goals being given up. Hopefully, that can start to get corrected. I think having Brad Kazan in goal does help with that focus. Uh, Mistakes happen, and I think there's been a very fast rush to judgment after a very strong performance in Orlando from Brad Kazan, and a game against New England where he didn't make the big play that was needed on a big save like he had one in Orlando yes he had a giveaway early yes the pass back from Miles Robinson put him in a bad spot he didn't handle it well everything started to fall apart there's been a lot of talk about the third goal the third goal it's a shot from inside the 18 that the shots should not have been as simple to get off I have more of an issue with that than any attempted save on the other end of it. Look, it's the life of a goalkeeper, and Brad Kazan has been down that road many, many times in many different places in his career. He has been an outstanding player for Atlanta United. He needs games under his belt right now after coming back from the knee injury, after missing most of last season with the Achilles injury. Got to get that sharpness back. That comes with time, but I think having him in this team is a very important thing for Atlanta United. Now, let's get ready for this week of action, two games, and still trying to shake off everything from that New England game you didn't play over the weekend, and then you play Wednesday, travel back across the country on Thursday, and play Saturday Saturday. Let's hear from Gonzalo Pineda a little bit about that game on Wednesday and where things are right now for Atlanta United.
3: Well, from minute two to minute 92 was great. (laughs) Uh, Probably a little lapsus in the middle with that second goal, but uh, I think uh, it's one of the best games I've seen this year for the team. Uh, especially because of the opponent, because the op- opponent was very good. New England, I, I consider one of the top teams in this conference, uh, with a top coach, with top players, and uh, and we were, in my opinion, superior, mm-hmm. without arrogance, just superior, better than them. And I think we should have got the the should, should have gotten the, the the three points. Now we didn't get it, but the performance, the the way we are improving week after week and the progression, I think is going in a positive direction. And now we're talking about consistency. Can we do that at home? Yes. Can we do that away? Because it's been a a while since we don't play well, more than results results aside. It's been a while since we don't play well uh, uh, when we're at home. So that's a challenge for us is we're going to a tough environment, fantastic stadium, very good atmosphere, very good team, very good coach again. And are we up to the standard? That's that's a challenge. So we have to show a lot of personality there and,
2: and try to play as normal. It's very important to play your game when you're out on the road. And I think Atlanta United does a pretty good job of sticking to the game model. Look, quality level and sharpness level, that can fluctuate game to game. But I don't think Atlanta United has gone into a match this season where they've gone in with a defensive stance, where they've gone in not trying to win the ball back, where they haven't played their game on the road. They have gotten results on the road. They haven't gotten many wins, just the one in Charlotte. They've been close a couple of times in Chicago, in Toronto. Honestly, pretty close in Orlando as well what does atlanta united have to do on the defensive side to get some of those draws to become wins here's gonzalo pineda from earlier today
3: well uh, i try to analyze all the goals that we conceded and specifically the topics for each one of them i still have to do a deeper look on clear chances and expected goals above point one where those come from uh, but Surprisingly, for example, we only concede one goal in in transition in those moments that we've been talking about both fullbacks very high in higher positions and that we only concede one against Nashville and that was we're attacking the final third and they played Mokhtar then they played the other kid was in Toronto and then he scored the goal in transition it's been the only clear transition moment when we are in the final third and it's a long transition moment so it's not many actually Uh, more uh, goals from restarts, three from throwings is very poor from us. We, we shouldn't uh, concede those from probably from the middle of the field, free kicks from middle of the field. Last goal, the, the last goal we conceded was from a free kick that was probably 20 yards ahead, ahead from the foul was, but maybe 20 is an exaggeration, but 10, 15 yards for sure. Uh, but anyways, it's a free kick in the middle of the field and then we are kind of not completely into the game and reading every situation Did they put Carlos' Hill there next to them so it's for me more attention blocking crosses is one that is yeah the number of those goals is higher uh, defending on the far co- far post so there are a few that we work we we worked yesterday and the day before on that on how we can close them down better how we can block the cross and have protection on the back how we can be better organized but for me it's more than anything it's attention and it's and it's that uh, uh, full organization in those key moments. But I don't think is we concede many clear chances aside from mistakes. Like if we do a silly mistake in the build-up, whatever, okay, but it's not like we are uh, fragile on the path. I feel it's more key moments where we are not alert enough or we don't pay attention to little details and then we're punished. So. Of course it's a point of emphasis for us to improve on Uh, but also look at the positives look Mm -hmm. at the the amount of goals we score the amount of pressure we are able to put in many games uh, to the opponents Um, so I think we have we have something to continue something to start to do something to stop doing and I think we follow that process and we know clearly what is each one of those Uh, we're gonna
2: improve Brad Gazan also spoke to the media this morning out at Children's Healthcare Care of Atlanta Training Ground. He was asked about the late goals that Atlanta United's conceded. Here's the captain, Brad Gazan. Yeah, we just need to make
3: sure that we're, we're focused and concentrated in, in those types of moments, uh, whether it's the end of the game, beginning of the game. Um, it's, uh, it's something that, like I said, every day we're looking to address you know, on the training field and then obviously translating that into, into matches.
2: One more from Gonzalo Pineda on what he expects out of LAFC in Wednesday's match.
3: Well, I always prepare the team as if we're facing the best uh, of them. So I sh- we show them Rob, Jose uh, our video analyst and Rob they're doing a great job at putting very specific clips on on things for them uh, and we show them the best of them and also the, the areas where we can attack. Right. So um, if, if they rotate or not, that's You know, we don't know what we know is the tendencies of their team. We expect the team that is very good at pressing high. They are very aggressive. They like to press with the front three, Uh, very high, very aggressive. They work for each other very well, whether it's the front three or the three three midfielders in the middle. At times they are not in the same positions and they do the same duties. So they understand the roles of each other. Uh, They cover for each other. They run. So it's going to be an intense game. But I think that's where we need to be good on the ball. We need to be very, very good on the ball, because if we give, give them a lot of time and space, if we give them the control of the game, they certainly can punish They have very talented players up front, so we will see what they present in terms of lineups, but I expect the best LAFC uh,
2: always. It's such a hard one to figure out going into it. And I'm going to get Mike Conti's help to try to help me figure this out as we get ready for LAFC on Wednesday. They came up short in the CONCACAF Champions League final on Sunday night at home, didn't play all that well in the two legs against Club Leon. Is the standard of their play in these two games indicative of anything going forward? Is it just that they were outplayed by a really good Leon team? Is it going to have a hangover effect? It's just so hard to tell. Then you get into just the mechanics of things. This is a team that has dealt with some injuries, has some older players in Carlos Vela, who they've had to be smart with his minutes. Giorgio Chiellini, they they've, haven't been able to play him all that much, to be perfectly honest. Are those guys going to be ready to go on short rest from Sunday to Wednesday? Yes, at home, but still, that's a challenge. Other guys went 90 minutes. You have an injury potentially to Aaron Long coming out of that game. This is a very interesting game on the road for Atlanta United, and how they come out initially, how the first 10, 15 minutes go, I think will tell you a lot about it. Coming up in five, Mike Conti and I are going to tell you a lot about this game. We're going to get into it. We're going to look at MLS as a whole about halfway through the season as well. Coming back in five minutes, Atlanta Soccer tonight on 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey app.
1: to more of Atlanta soccer tonight with Jason Longshore on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game
2: Welcome back Atlanta soccer tonight live from LA as we get ready for Atlanta United and LAFC on Wednesday night 10.39 kickoff now you've heard from Gonzalo Pineda you've heard from Brad Gazan I think we've talked about the Wednesday match with the New England Revolution to death now at this point So, let's move on, and let's try to get into what we might expect on Wednesday and beyond. I've got somebody here to help me out in a rare time on Atlanta soccer tonight. What's
1: up, Mike? Uh, This is way past my bedtime. (laughs) Way past my bedtime. It it is a little bit
2: earlier out here.
1: Yeah, it is. I mean, we're still looking at daylight. So, uh, I mean, you're taking (laughs) advantage of – the time change here. By the way, lovely flight out yes. to L.A. We got to sit together and had a lovely dinner tonight. So this is great. Uh, enjoying this. Now, for the first time ever, I get to be on Atlanta soccer tonight. I know.
2: It's crazy. Yeah. We're in June, and you haven't made an appearance yet. It's
1: nuts. What's well, here I am. On? All right. And I don't want to talk about the New England game. So No. Uh, no. That's you, a good thing, you, too.
2: You missed the first segment, Thankfully. Let's let's talk about Wednesday. It's kind of hard to because we hmm. don't really know what to expect after LAFC loses in the CONCACAF Champions League final. I'll get into that a little bit more in detail in the 3-4-3, but I don't know what the lineup's going to look like. I don't know what the mood is going to be like for LAFC.
1: I would have rather LAFC had won the cocky Calf champions league. I'd feel a lot better coming into this match. If LAFC had won and had been maybe a little bit celebratory and hung over, uh, the loss and the way in which they lost it, where they were pretty much completely dominated by yeah. Leon frightens me a little bit that you could have a pretty ticked off group on Wednesday. And, um, you know, even if it's a bunch of second choice players, even if, you know, they have to kind of dig deep into next pro or or even beyond to, to field a match day 20, Jason, I see this in the NBA all the time. Mm-hmm. See it all the time when you have young, feisty players who get an opportunity to prove themselves and put something good on film. You know, that, that's kind of a American football cliche. That can get very, very scary for the opposition. And I think Atlanta United will approach this match Wednesday night with the feeling that LAFC will field a first-choice group, even though realistically they can't. I mean, I think the only, the only wild card in all of this, honestly, Jason, for me, is does Vela play? On Wednesday, because yep. they got Vela out uh, on Sunday against Leon. Now, Vela hasn't been very good this year. Yeah,
2: I think they got him out because he was not effective in that
1: match. Correct. But, again, I'd rather not see Vela than, than see him. You know, does Buanga play? I don't think so. Um, does... Um, Aaron Long play probably not after he got that gnarly head injury on Sunday. So, yep. you, you know, LAFC is going to be shorthanded a little bit. But, I mean, are they going to go completely second choice or are they going to rotate moderately? And I, I think they're going to end up rotating moderately. And that's, that's kind of a bad break for Atlanta United. I think if LAFC had won on Sunday and done enough to win the trophy – uh, they'd still be celebrating today and you know we wouldn't even be talking about LEFC playing anyone of note
2: I wonder how many first choice guys play in this match I mean just looking back at last night Bolonga played 90 Acosta played 90 Ilié played 90 Murillo played 90 in the back uh, Palacios played 90 McCarthy can go again if they yeah. want to keep him in goal Chiellini is a huge question mark. He didn't look good last night after a long injury layoff. You mentioned long. Uh, Vela didn't play well in this. You start to look at the bench, and Cifuentes and Opoku came on at halftime, so they mm-hmm. played 45. Hollingshead came on pretty early in the second half, 56th mm-hmm. minute. And then the other subs were Tillman and Steitbuke and Maldonado late for long in that one, so that was a concussion sub. That's why they got the bonus. I don't know. Like, that's the thing. As you start to look further down this bench, you know, we're going to see Eric Duenas, probably. Are we going to see Nathan Ordaz, probably. Two guys who have taken advantage of these opportunities a little bit. LAFC's rotated a lot in Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup. They've had to rotate some in league play. You know, I think the vibe is going to be the bigger question because everything was built for this season on winning CONCACAF Champions League and they failed, and you can't get it back now. It's gone. How long is the emotional hangover for them? I don't know.
1: I have a feeling pretty short. Uh, I, I just have a feeling Steve Cherundolo will have this team ready to play on Wednesday, whatever you know version of the team it is. Because, look, you still have MLS Cup. You still have Leagues Cup to play for. Uh, two very very significant important trophies in which laFC will probably be among the favorites to win both so no they're not going to have a treble you know dating back to last year it's not going to be a 2023 treble but they still have a lot to play for um and, and you know quite frankly they could start building a lot of momentum towards League's Cup on Wednesday night uh you know in this match against Atlanta United knowing that they have an opponent coming in. That has not done very well on the road this year in the last couple years. An opponent that's leaking goals. Um, You know, LAFC has given up the fewest goals of any team in MLS this year. So I think that becomes intriguing, especially if McCarthy plays. And I think... I think it's reasonable to assume they can run their goalkeeper again. Yeah, and, and um, look, there's
2: going to be some questions about McCarthy after one of the goals he gave up on Sunday night wasn't a good one to no. give up. I don't think you put all the blame on him, but I just wonder where the confidence of this team's going to be. And, and that's going to be the thing we'll be able to tell maybe early on on Wednesday night. Well,
1: well, the last time we were out here to play LAFC, it feels like a bazillion years ago, it was 2019 yes. – and I remember very, very early in that match, Mo Adams. <laughs> he was starting as a wing back in that one. Exactly, scored. I want to say in like the second or third yeah, minute, really early. And then LaFC switched on to Terminator mode, and they scored four. And then Atlanta scored two more, and it ended up four three. There was a very, very bad penalty call uh, yeah. against Atlanta United that that had a huge hand in the outcome, yeah. but. Let's go back to 2019. I think Wednesday night, if Atlanta United gets the first goal, that's critical. You know, then the shoulders really could start to slump for LAFC. Do their fans even start turning on that? What's the crowd even going to look like on Wednesday? I mean, this is a yeah. match that was initially supposed to be played this past Saturday, it got moved to a weeknight. What kind of crowd did they even have there? A lot of things in the rescheduling of this match seems to favor Atlanta United, in my opinion. I totally, it works it. against Atlanta United for Saturday against DC. Yes, but I think as far as Wednesday is concerned, the rescheduling really works in Atlanta United's favor. Uh, you know, you could be. This is a very tough stadium in which to play, but it might not feel the same uh, as it did in 2019. So I think that's an advantage too. I, I just want to see Atlanta United be brave and come out and try to score that first goal. You know, they've conceded the first goal in their last three matches. Or three of the last four, excuse me. Um, they haven't lost any of them. That's good news. Yeah, it's really good. Uh, that's really, really good news. But you can't put yourself in these positions where you're playing from behind and playing from 2-0 down as they did against New England. It's just too tough to overcome on the road. Really want to see them set the tone early, come out, attack, play a strong lineup. Hopefully, yakamaka is able to start. And uh, you get a goal or two on the board early, and you really then start to play into LAFC's uh, wobbly psyche, if you will. Yeah,
2: I think you've got to come out and be very aggressive early on because I do expect some wobble, and especially defensively for LAFC because I think that's where they're going to have to play some different faces that they've got attacking depth. They don't have as much defensive depth to be at the, the top, top level. So let's let's get caught up really fast on just where MLS is at this stage. We're almost at the midway point. LAFC is going to have a bunch of games to make up that they've had rescheduled. In the East, it really feels like Cincinnati, Nashville, Philadelphia are starting to step away. Now, they're going to have dips in form, but those three right now, Cincinnati's won their last 5, Nashville and Philly have won their last 4. These are teams that Philadelphia maybe got over that hangover a bit after getting knocked out by LAFC. They got over it pretty quick. Nashville, I think, is really putting together their game model right now to perfection. They got the big win in Dallas over the weekend. And Cincinnati is just taking care of business all year long. They have not had any dips yet.
1: They've also taken advantage of a schedule that was heavily front-loaded with home matches. Very true. And I think – uh, it's going to be curious to see how Cincinnati now, the second half of the year when they have to kind of repay the bank a little bit on road matches, do they have a dip in form? Because you're right, they haven't dipped yet. Philadelphia got off to a very slow start. They found their footing, and that's scary for the rest of the Eastern Conference. Um, Nashville, I think, is the team that might be playing the best of everyone in the Eastern Conference right now. And I am not sleeping on D.C. or Charlotte or even Orlando. Quite yet, I think those teams are starting to kind of get it together a little bit, and then you know you have the intrigue down there in Miami. Yeah, you know uh, after the sacking of Phil Neville, reports linking Tata Martino to that job, <laughs> reports linking Lionel Messi to Miami. I mean that 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 could get bat you know what crazy right away <laughs> for Miami if if Tata and Lionel Messi come in this summer, and then you know it, it it's kind of reminiscent of Toronto last year ooh, the Italians are coming. You know, ooh, and Sidney and Bernard are are coming to save the day. And, and and they were so far back they couldn't save the day. Right now Miami is not so far back. I mean, right now uh, 4th through 15th in the East is not separated by very much.
2: D.C. is the opponent on Saturday on short rest at home. They're going to have the midweek off. This is a team that is very direct. They, You know what you're getting out of D.C., I feel like if you're going to get the benefit of scheduling, it's good for Atlanta United to get it on the Wednesday and then just deal with what they can deal with on Saturday against D.C. Especially
1: when you're going into an international break yeah. after that. Yeah. So, like, you, you just you get through Wednesday, then you really throw everything you can at Saturday, and then you have a week you know where you can regen and and you know the the guys who are going on international duty can deal with it in their own kind of respective ways i think it sets up just fine for atlanta united i'm really glad that dc matches at home yes really really that'd be a very tough road la road dc back to back
2: I'm really glad you were able to make your AST debut tonight. I'm going to talk about some more debuts in the 3-4-3, and we're going to have to make this a regular thing over the summer with all of the Gold Cup and Nations League and Women's World Cup. It's going to be a cavalcade of stars on AST this summer.
1: (laughs) Can't wait to hear it. All
2: right, we'll be back in five. You know how it goes by now, the 3-4-3. Three local stories, four headlines, and three things that make me smile about this game
1: Wrap up tonight's show with the 343. 343. Three local stories, four headlines from around the world, and three things that made you smile about the game.
0: Atlanta Soccer Tonight is on Sports Radio 929 the Game.
2: Welcome back. Final segment of Atlanta Soccer Tonight on 929 The Game and the Odyssey app. You guys know by now it's the 343. Three local stories, four headlines from anywhere in the world, and three stories that make me smile. Things that I love about this game so much. Let's start on the local side. Number one. I had two games that I called this weekend, and for some crazy reason, both of them ended up 5-0 wins for the team I was calling the match for. Let's start on Saturday night over in Canton. The WPSL Georgia Impact second home match, first home win, and it was a complete performance from head coach Robert Roddy's side. 5-0, two goals in the first half, three in the second half. Really impressive team. It's their first year in the WPSL. Goals came from Ellie Russell, from Maritea from Alexandra Colligan, from Ines Obradovic, and Brittany Morgan. 5-0 over Birmingham, and one of the coolest things about it for me was the size of the crowd in Canton. The games are played at Cherokee High School. There's two more home games this summer. The next one is on the 17th. But if you're in the northern part of the metro area, you might want to mark down Wednesday, June 14th, because it's the WPSL-Crosstown Atlanta rivalry with the Georgia Impact traveling to face Atlanta Fire United. Looking forward to checking that out and then being back at Cherokee High School for the next Impact home game. I'm not expecting five goals every match, but, you know, it'd be a nice way to get back into the booth for that one. Did get five goals for my second local story. Atlanta United 2, a 5-0 win over Inner Miami last night in Kennesaw. Another really nice crowd. In this one, they had to wait a little while. Lightning delayed the kickoff for about an hour at Fifth Third Bank Stadium. Didn't really slow Atlanta United 2 down for very long. Miami came out, and I thought they played well in the first 15, 20 minutes or so of the match, but they weren't able to get anything out of it. And full credit to Luke Brennan, who was driving the Miami left back wild, getting in behind, being aggressive, drawing fouls, gets a yellow card on the player, and then continues to push the envelope, gets the second yellow, just trying to run in behind, didn't give up on the play draws that second yellow. That's a red card, and Atlanta United, with the one-goal advantage at that time, really took control of the match and ran away with it in the second half. Eric Centeno's first goal of the season finished up a, a rebound off of a Karim Tamimi shot. That made it 1-0 before the red card. Nicholas Firmino went to work after that, his sixth and seventh goals of the season. And then when he has an opportunity To go for the hat trick with a shot from around the top of the 18 laid it off to David Mejia. Mejia scored his first two goals of the season and was a really big spark plug off the bench. It was a very impressive win for Steve Cook's team. Now they have to take that form and go out on the road. Can they play at this same high level that they've shown in back-to-back home clean sheets? Can they take that out on the road and get results? Not just draws and going to shootouts in MLS Next Pro, but getting wins. That's the next step for this really talented Atlanta United two-side. Huge win last night in Kennesaw. Make sure you get out and support this team when you can, you can watch the games on the Apple TV MLS Season Pass. Some of them are on MLSNextPro.com as well, and you can always listen to the radio calls of those games on our Soccer Down Here platform, SoccerDownHere.net, or wherever you get your your podcast. You can listen on the Spreaker app as well. All right, number three on the local side, still with the game in Kennesaw, and I wanted to separate this out. Debuts last night, and that's one of the coolest things about calling Atlanta United two games and following this team, is seeing academy players get that professional debut. Remy Okunlola and Rocket Rita Rita were the two debuts last night, and both of them were very impactful in the match. Rocket got an assist on the last goal. Hockey assist would have gone to Osvaldo Alonso. We're going to come back to Ozzie here in just a minute. You don't have hockey assists in MLS Next Pro, unfortunately. He plays the ball down the right side. Rocket Rita Rita with a good cross to David Mejia with a nice first-time finish. That was Mejia's second goal of the night. Remy Okunlola created an opportunity that turned into a goal. He showed very well at right back. Remy is right now committed to Clemson for the fall. He was the 6A Georgia High School Player of the Year Played at Brookwood in the spring season. Two guys with very bright futures. Rocket Rita Rita, 16 years old. Remy just graduating from Brookwood High School. I don't think we're done seeing both of them wearing an Atlanta United kit. Maybe in the short term, I think we're going to see these guys again for Atlanta United too. And both of them have the potential in the long term to sign MLS deals with the club. We'll just have to wait and see. But you got to celebrate those debuts for the club. And Remy Lola and Rocket Rita Rita making their debuts last night for Atlanta United, too. All right, four headlines from around the world. Number one, we got to start with Lionel Messi. Messi is the talk of the soccer world right now as to where he will be playing in the fall. Lionel Messi's father, his agent, Jorge Messi, said on Monday that his son would love to return to Barcelona this summer. Was filmed having a meeting with Joan Laporta, the president of Barcelona. I don't think that filming was by accident. And Jorge was pretty clear in saying, like, that's where I would like to see him go. That's where Leo wants to go. Now, can they get it done That's the question. Barcelona trying to get approval from La Liga this week regarding their financial plans in order to begin their transfer business. Messi would be a big part of that transfer business. They're also going after Ilkay Gundogan, it sounds like. They've got to get rid of some players to make all of this work. La Liga, if you don't know, doesn't have a strict salary cap, but it has a spending limit based off the revenue that comes in for the club. And this is done over a period of time, and the league sets what that limit's going to be. So they have to approve these kinds of things. How much room are they going to give Barcelona to go out and spend? We don't know yet. Barcelona doesn't know yet. This stuff's got to get done because Lionel Messi's making decisions right now. He was asked if he had spoken to Laporta, and he said before today that we spoke the other day, but there's nothing concrete. Reports are coming out of Argentine sources that Messi wants to decide his future over the next few days, not weeks, days, maybe before he goes on international duty in this upcoming international break where Lionel Messi is part of the squad that's going to Asia along with Atlanta United's Thiago Almada. Can Barcelona get their business sorted out in time? No clue. And when it comes to Barcelona sorting out business on time, that has not been a strong suit of their club as of late. Both Inter Miami and Al-Hilal in Saudi Arabia have put offers on the table. Reports indicate that Messi has passed on the Al-Hilal offer for now. Maybe would revisit it down the road. But we're all still in the reporting stage outside of the fact that Jorge Messi met with Joan Laporta today in Barcelona. Can a deal get done? Stay tuned. Number two, another one to kind of stay tuned to, but this one seems like it is all but done. Tottenham are set to appoint Ange Postecoglou as their new head coach after agreeing to a deal in principle with him. This is according to sources and many different outlets, including ESPN. Now, ESPN reported on Thursday that Tottenham were expected to approach Celtic over a move for Postecoglou following Saturday's Scottish Cup final. Now, things moved really quickly. It was kind of cagey last week. There was some talk that Postacoglu had turned down Tottenham, wasn't interested. It sounds like maybe he wanted to wait until after they completed their treble, which Celtic did on Saturday. Talks progressed quickly today, and it sounds like that Ange Postacoglu is going to be the next manager at Tottenham. Now, Tottenham's been linked with a few other people, but once those did not happen, the club turned their attention to Ange Postacoglu. Eighth. Domestic treble in Celtics history. They got that with a 3 1 win over Inverness Caledonian Thistle in the Scottish Cup final on Saturday. Postacoglu's won five of the six trophies available since joining the club from Japanese team Yokohama F. Marinos in the summer of 2021. He was born in Greece, grew up in Australia. He managed the Australian national team for four years. And his deal at Celtic, it was a 12-month rolling contract. So he's able to move this summer without Celtic being owed any compensation. Now, there have been some reports about Tottenham working on a deal with Celtic. I don't know. Maybe there's some kind of a release clause. Maybe there's some kind of a uh, Celtic could just roll the contract over without Postacoglu agreeing. Don't really know. This is just all, again, in the reporting phase. Celtic also attempted to keep Tottenham from getting the deal done by offering an improved deal, appears to have not been taken up by Anjposta Koglu, who is, according to all reports, headed to Tottenham. And I love his style of play. I'm excited to see what he can do at Tottenham. Daniel Levy and that front office have to be patient and let him work. It's a fun team to watch in Celtic in a league that they've dominated over the years, but they still played good soccer this year. I want to see what he can do with bigger resources and more competition as well. I'm excited to see this move if it gets done. Number three on the headlines, Club León. They are the CONCACAF Champions League winner over LAFC. Look, when they were knocked out of the Liga MX, Ligia, the playoffs, that happened on May 7th, and it, they were upset by Atletico San Luis. It looked like, one, it's a failure because it is, but it also looked like it would hurt them in preparing for the CONCACAF Champions League final. They didn't play for about a month, May 7th, and in the first leg was last Wednesday in the CONCACAF Champions League final, but they were able to prepare for LAFC, and Nicolas Larcamon is one of the best managers in this hemisphere. He was able to look at a game plan and figure out how to make life difficult for LAFC. He did. He talked about that Sunday night after winning the match. Uh, They ended up winning on aggregate 3-1. He said something that helped us is that in MLS, there are very few teams that play with a back five, which maybe made it tough for them to get their defense coordinated. Now, Steve Chirondolo, after the match, he talked a little bit about the frustrations that MLS managers face in CONCACAF Champions League. Technical directors face it too, the gap between the Liga MX teams and their MLS counterparts. Chirondolo said it exists because of the financial regulations, the schedule. He said, as an MLS team in tournaments like this, if you want to consistently compete in finals and win these, you're going to have to rethink your roster rules and regulations. You're at a big disadvantage. There's a little more money on the other side of the table, and money in this game buys quality players. That is true. However, if you look at the transfer-marked valuations for these two clubs, LAFC's club is valued at a higher number, according to transfer-marked, and that's all hypothetical, but they're valued at a higher number than Club León's number. Also, LAFC did sell Cristiano Rongo in the offseason, and if you're going into CONCACAF Champions League and your intention is to win it, That's a move that's hard to line up. That's a move that's hard to make it all fit and make me understand it. So I agree that MLS needs to figure out how they spend their money maybe a little broader, but I don't think that was the reason why Club León beat LAFC. I think Club León was just better over the two games. Number four on the headlines, Manchester City. They've got two trophies. They are going for number three this weekend in the Champions League final. They just needed 12 seconds to take the lead against Manchester United in the FA Cup final. This is a team that is on an incredible run. They've only lost once in their past 27 games. That was a 1-0 win at Brentford on the last day of the Premier League season. The title's already done. Uh, Key players were rested in that game. Pep Guardiola's managed his squad very, very well in preparation for these finals. Can he get it over the line? This is the trophy that has eluded them so much. Inter has to be better than Manchester United was. They gave up a goal 13 seconds into it. Manchester United didn't get blown out, but they didn't really play at the same level as Manchester City either. What is Inter going to do? Are they going to sit deep and try to soak up pressure and hit on the counter? Are they going to play direct to somebody like Romelu Lukaku? Are they going to try to have the ball... Teams have tried all of those approaches against Manchester City over the past few months and none of them have been successful. I think Manchester City gets it done and they do the treble. Second English club to ever do it. If they get it done this weekend, equaling Manchester United from 1999. All right, quickly, three things that make me smile about this game that I love so much. Osvaldo Alonso's return to the field last night for Atlanta United 2. It had been 14 months for Ozzy to get back onto the field after tearing his ACL in D.C. early last season. He's put in so much work to get back to this point, and it was great to see him just play, let alone contribute to a goal and show that leadership that's such a vital element to having him in this club. Can't wait to see him get back into the mix with the MLS side, maybe sooner rather than later. It just depends on how he continues to build that fitness, and also build that confidence, I think, in just being on the field. Number two, sticking with Ozzy Alonzo, the David Mejia-Osvaldo Alonzo connection definitely made me smile. David's dad posted a picture on Instagram and on Facebook of young David with Osvaldo Alonzo when they lived in Seattle. Uh, Mejia was, I think, seven or eight years old in the picture, and I had a chance to talk to David after the game last night where he got to share a field with Osvaldo Alonso, and he said it was a dream come true. I asked him if Ozzy remembered that picture or had seen it, and David said no, he hadn't even seen it. After the game, they took Osvaldo over to David's dad so they could show him the picture, and he had no idea that David had even lived in Seattle. Crazy how this soccer world can connect people, but such a cool little... Sub-story to that with David Mejia and Osvaldo Alonso last night for Atlanta United too. Number three on things that make me smile about this game, Mike Taylor from Tift County Soccer Program. He came out kind of on a hunch. This is a guy who had grown up as a football player, played wide receiver for Tift County uh, since he was in elementary school. Great with his hands, wanted to play soccer, wanted to try out for goalkeeper, and he has picked it up so, so fast. He's also a young man who's had to overcome more adversity than most. His father was left a paraplegic as the result of a traumatic injury when Michael was really young. His mother raised him as a single mom, living with his grandmother and his disabled grandfather. His grandmother passed away unexpectedly when Michael was a teenager. A couple of years later, his mother passed away as well due to heart-related issues. Michael has inspired his team, his coaches at Tift County with just the ability to keep a smile on his face and keep pushing forward. And soccer has become that outlet for him. He was selected to an incredible program at Itor Sports in Valencia, Spain. They only pick 34 athletes every year. It's a gap year program and athletes who go through it, they take college-level courses, and they get prepared for D1 soccer. It is a an expensive program. It's $43,000 to be part of this. And there is a GoFundMe to try to help Michael to make it to this program. You can find the GoFundMe information on my Twitter page at Longshoe and also at ATLSoccer929. And we are all pulling for Mike Taylor from Tiff County to be able to become that next Star goalkeeper from the state of Georgia. Join Mike Conti and me for stoppage time Wednesday afternoon, 2 o'clock on the 92.9 The Game Facebook page. March to Match Day will post on Wednesday as well. And then we have a game on Wednesday in L.A., where we are right now. It is Atlanta United and LAFC. Five Stripes Countdown will start at 10 p.m. Kickoff will be 10.39. We'll have an abbreviated full-time report for you afterwards. But join us on 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey app and the Atlanta United app as we get ready for Five Stripes action on Wednesday night. Adios, everybody.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds.